You're listening to the Saturday Morning RPG Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined today by my uh, wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming, and two very special guests. We have Mr. Michael Curtis and Mr. Chris Doyle here with us to talk about Dungeon Denizens, which is a new Kickstarter from Goodman Games that I am personally very, very excited for. Um, so right off the get-go, hello. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Good. Great. Uh, <laughs> this energy. Do you guys prefer Judge Michael and Judge? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want like the honorifics or, or are you just hanging with the boys today and it's just no. just Michael and Chris? <laughs> Mike and Chris is good. Mike and Chris. Perfect. Super excited. <laughs> so uh, right off the get-go, though, I wanted to ask you guys that you're, you're both uh, uh, employees of Goodman Games, obviously. Um, and so we'll start with you, Chris. What do you, what do you do at Goodman Games so people know what's going on? All right, so I am the uh, director of 5E Development and Design. So the way we kind of look at it here is that we have two sides of the house, and basically we have the 5E side of the house and the DCC RPG side of the house. Uh, w one of those sides is smaller than the other side. One's got a lot more bedrooms than the other side. Um, uh, but I, I manage everything um, on the 5E side. Um, and, and yes, uh, we've been both of us have been with Goodman Games uh, full-time now for for a couple of years, so um, and it's an absolute dream come true. That's fantastic. And Michael, uh, what are you? You are on the other side of that coin, from my understanding. Right. I'm. I live on the other side of the house, basically. It's just you know. So basically, everything. Chris and I do the exact same thing, but with different staff. That's basically you know <laughs> the the process is the same, uh, but you know the mechanics are somewhat different. That's that's what it comes down to. And we share a foyer uh, every now and then. We come in there. We so you know we'll have stuff that we work on together in the middle of the house, and then we go back. You know. So so right now we've been spending a lot of time you know in that shared hall with uh you know with because Dungeon Denizens is one of those 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 shared projects where. It, you know, there, there's elements to it from both sides of the house, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And so talking about Dungeon Denizens, this is a massive monster book for both 5e and Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh, did it start as just one? Like, were you going to like, oh, let's make a monster book for one of these systems and then why not both kind of a thing? Or how did it originate? Yeah, um, that's a great question. It did actually start as a 5e book only. As a matter of fact, when we were kind of conceptualizing this, um, trying to figure out the marketing side of it, we were like, you know, what, what are some of the things that are going to make this monster book different than, quite frankly, everybody else's monster book that's come out the last five years um, on in, in the role-playing space? And we really kind of uh, homed in on that. Well, let's do 500 monsters for 5e because that sounds great yeah. i mean it's like that's a nice little catch thing and then we took it even a bit further we're like what sounds even better than 500 it's like well what about 555 because <laughs> if people are crazy enough to do 500 why not do 55 more so that's kind of where we landed on it and um and then as we were moving along in the process you know we we kind of warmed up to the fact that you know hey you know while we're doing all this work and 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 having quite frankly all this art done we should really have a DCC version of this this book as well, and um, so that was kind of the evolution of it. So, so trust us, if if this project would have kicked off years ago, as as more of a DCC slash five E, we would have Mike and I have talked about this. We would have done this a lot differently. <laughs> um, it, it would have looked a lot differently on the logistical side of it and everything. But no, so it did start as five E, and then it, it kind of turned into DCC after that. I love the house analogy you guys started with in the beginning because now I, I want to ask my mom if we can have a sleepover and play Dungeons and Dragons all weekend long. So be ready for that invite. But one thing that I know, you guys are a publisher that has been creating the content for a very long time. Kickstarter has been the big thing that's come out with people, you know, doing these Kickstarters before they actually put the book, you know, do the work on the book and see kind of to gauge, is this something people want? And if they do, then we're going to do it. When did you guys start seeing that Kickstarter was the way to go to really get your kind of projects launched? Because before, I assume, you were just, you did the product, you put all your hearts and, and, and hard work into it, and then you put it out on your shelf and you hope people picked it up and bought it. So talk a little bit about that that change that we seem to be in recently with Kickstarter blowing everything up, really, and creator-wise. Well, I mean, I, I, for Goodman, we kind of got into it 
uh, like tentatively some years back. Uh, I think I think my I wrote a uh, venture called the Chain Coffin, which uh, which turned out to be this big mm-hmm. box set. But originally it had this kind of spinning puzzle wheel on it. And, uh, you know, Joe was just like, we should try to kickstart this because this is kind of weird. We should see if people are interested in this sort of thing. So that was kind of a way to um, to judge the market. I think we had tried. I think we had done a Kickstarter before then to like fund because we give out swag for the road crew. We give out like, you know, like notebooks and pencils and you know badges and all the rest of that stuff. I think we had done a Kickstarter there. And I think I think we originally had a wizard van. It's like the top level. Like, but, you know, that that didn't fund. So like the the the, the, the chain coffee Kickstarter was the one that was really like let's use it to you know to get a handle on what the what the market is like and what people what people desire so, so that was i mean that was a, it was a modest success I, and it was one of those things that we, we joe was like we need more kick we need more stretch goals like we didn't know what we were doing so we didn't have like stretch goals all planned out you know beforehand mm-hmm. it was everything goodman games does is just like we just do it and then we figure out how we do it <laughs> we were talking about how do we how we got into twitch streaming and online conventions like like when the when COVID happened we were just literally like well, I guess we're going to do an online convention. Let's figure out how to do that. And literally, literally like in a month through one together. Um, but but we've been kind of doing Kickstarters of increasingly more difficulty since the Chain Coffin. And I think, it's, I mean, it's not just us, but Kickstarter originally became, you know, it was originally like, you know, for you to take your dream and, you know, you to, to get that bar going that you've always had a dream, you know, or get that mm-hmm, book published. Mm-hmm. You know, and but it, now it's it's basically become pre-order. I mean, it's you know it's you know, and uh, that's a godsend. But there, I mean, there are people out there who 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 hate that. Like that's not what Kickstarter is for. And mm-hmm. sorry, man, they, that might not what have been Kickstarter is for. But that's what Kickstarter. Yeah, for. but you, you guys see it as a positive, right? It's been a positive influence on. Uh, that's oh, great, definitely, and and it gives us a chance to do some off-the-wall projects like when we did DCC number 100 with all the spinning wheel maps and everything um, and then doing a book like this with over 500 monsters I mean it's it's a pretty you know the production on this book alone with all the monsters and all the art is quite a challenge and quite expensive and you know getting it out there on Kickstarter and kind of getting that gauging what the interest for that is is very very important for some of our larger projects and i mean we still have a very aggressive release schedule that never hits uh kickstarter um but so we do kind of save like the the really big ones um uh for that so that we can kind of because i don't know that that's in my opinion that's what kickstarter is all about it's like you know getting somebody to spend a hundred dollars on a slipcase collection of books is is tricky but kickstarter is like the perfect place for that it's the perfect kind of entry for that so mm-hmm. I think that's where we prefer to kind of make our in strides with um uh, with Kickstarter. Yeah, and I noticed you guys have been doing other crowdsourcing uh, as well. And obviously, I guess Kickstarter is the biggest and the most name recognition and things like that. But um, I thought I I was following you because I think it was like they're dabbling in all these different ones, like Backer Kit and things yeah. like that. Um, is there uh, was that an ex- this kind of off topic now? But like, was that an experiment, or is that kind of uh, are, you want to shift away from Kickstarter or include other things? Like, yeah, it it's really it's a combination of a bunch of things. It's it's yeah, it's dipping our toes into other platforms. Um, you know, they all have advantages and disadvantages. Um, and and Kickstarter has some disadvantages as well. So I mean, it, it's really more about keeping our options open and and trying to to see what the best fit is. But but you're right, Kickstarter is that well known, well established brand where folks are gonna find you on Kickstarter. And you start talking about GameFound, and GameFound is about a year old now. Backer Kit I think is about Backer. a year old, maybe not even a year old, doing doing their thing. So um, at some point, you could definitely see us moving into those directions, probably heavier. But I think you know at this point we're just trying to gauge the interest and seeing where the crowds is well i mean one thing i've i've discovered is is the the rpg community there they tend to be an educated group and and they can figure things out they'll find you they'll find your website they'll find your show they'll find you know they'll they'll, they'll figure it out sometimes they'll find stuff you didn't think that was still out there on the internet they read the dm guide so yeah exactly yeah so it's like so so that's good so if we do end up transitioning to a different platform um we're pretty confident that the folks will find us there might be a little bit of a lag but so with dungeon denizens uh we have 500 monsters for two of these different systems what i've i've I'm familiar with DCC stat blocks and I'm familiar with 5e stat blocks. They're, they're you know, 5e and then DCC. Uh, what are some of the challenges of, like, syncing these monsters up, I guess? Like, do they translate well between the two systems? Do you want to go in? 
Well, I mean, I th I think the so so we started with a you know a five E baseline, and you know I mean it, since when uh, Chris is producing a project for uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which has almost a fifty year kind of accumulation of lore and history to it and everything, where DCC is very much just like eh, whatever works, you know, make it up, you know, it doesn't, you know, we're we're very much open to that. So we um we had to do some paring down of things uh you know there's certain races that appear in you know like canonical 5e which in dcc don't exist or something completely different so some of the flavor tests had to be edited uh you know we've had to make some changes and you know, we uh, different referrals to stuff but the uh the main thing that we did when we were con converting stuff over to 5e was that we i, I you know i was i told the conversion team don't don't feel obligated to do this on like a one-to-one -one conversion basis. You know, I think it's more important that you get the tone of the character rather than like completely reproduce this breath weapon. So, you know, it, it for, you know, it is for DCC now. It's more like, you know, if, you know, the, you know, the dragon has a, the dragon bees breathes fire. Well, maybe he breathes, you know, molten daggers. You know, I mean, like, I mean, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was more of the, you know, feel free to kind of go on and, that was actually a little challenging, uh, you know, because some people were just like, you know, they wanted to be, they wanted to do like a really good job, and they wanted to be faithful to the core stuff. And luckily, I had done two ore books at this point, so I was, I was somewhat familiar about kind of, you know, taking something that somebody else had written and kind of, you know, like playing around with it, still being true to the source material, but making it, you know, more accessible or for that audience that you were dealing with. So I was able to provide some, you know, some background and, you know, some suggestions on that. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it took a, it took a little bit of challenge, as as Chris was saying. You know, it was one of those things where uh, we learned a lot. Um, one of those things we learned is don't take 3.5, convert it to 5e, and then convert the 5e stuff to DCC. It probably would have been <laughs> red really. We all started with a 3.5 and just took it from there. Which, <laughs> but uh, you know, as you said, that wasn't originally on the plan. But what we we do Dungeons and Dungeons too. We have we have a we have a we have a scheme in mind. Um, yeah, yeah. And a monster book is super popular. Like, I think my, my favorite book, if you were to ask, like, like, what's your favorite book from 80s or 90s? Fiend Folio was the one that grabbed me. You grab it, you bring it off. And there was lots of monster manual books and all the other books, but Fiend Folio was the one that just the artwork, the cover, it grabbed you and never let you go. It was stat blocks with stuff that's in there, but it also had some of the most interesting, I think, writing about what this creature is and, and what it is. And we know Goodman Games is not shy about the thickness of their books and obviously saying 500 monsters is what you're going to do. You guys aren't shy on that. You don't, you don't skimp on page count at all. How much in this book is about the picture of the creature, the stat block itself, and then the blurb about how does this exist in a world or how do you fit it into your world or where does it exist in a given world type thing? How, how deep do you go into some of those? Maybe it varies in all of it, but, but just as a general general question. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, the, the first part, really the only thing that the two books will be similar on is the artwork. The artwork is going to be the same for Monster A, is going to be in the DCC book, it's going to be the same artwork for, as the 5e book. Outside of that, they're going to be different. Like Mike said, the lore text was changed because some of the things don't exist in the DCC world mm -hmm. or or vice versa or the D&D world. So so we had to actually, you know, we had to kind of massage those lore texts and kind of and, and change up. And then, of course, the stat boxes are, are very different. I mean, you're going to notice some similarities, but for the most part, um, they're going to play very different. And, and in our opinion, most of the monsters are going to have a very different feel um, between the two rule systems. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of important. And yeah, I mean, we don't we don't shy against really big projects. We, we, we looked at it with our conversion team and our original designers. We wanted cool monsters. We wanted evocative, interesting designs. That's why we reached out to so many different contributors for this project, um, because we wanted them to be cool. And then when our editors got the monsters, we were like, hey, if you think you see something to make it even cooler, let's let's talk about that let's let, let's have a back and forth and we did that and then back and forth between us the developers and the editorial team and the conversion team we would say hey you know this isn't really working or this might not work or throw this over to play testing and let's let's make sure this actually works at the game table and then come back and tweak some things and we did that a lot um during this project to 
really kind of land on monsters that are going to be it. I mean, are, are all 500 going to be amazing and you're going to want to use them at your table? <laughs> no. I mean, you mentioned the Fiend Folio. The Fiend Folio had some great evocative designs in there, but there's also some really head scratchers <laughs> yeah. in there too, which which makes the book beloved, but at the same time, there's some really weird, weird stuff in there. Um, but uh, so so hopefully we've achieved that goal with, with this book, and uh, we think we did, so... Oh, and, and like even those weird monsters, that's just a way to be inspired. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I could, I yeah. you know that if that if one person can build an entire campaign around a crab holding knives or something, then I think you won. <laughs> like you, you did your job. But I was even just thinking like there are like how do you like magic because DCC magic is so different from. Uh, 5e magic and a lot of monsters have spells and stuff did you kind of just turn a lot of spell abil into abilities is that kind of the way you would do that or well i mean the, the the great thing about dcc is that you know we literally have an entire section in the rule book that says you know monsters don't play by the rules yeah uh, so you know so we didn't have to worry about figuring out like what the spell check modifier is going to be for a certain spell or anything like that we can literally just be like yeah it does this <laughs> like this like you have to make the saving throw or you know if you don't want that to happen to you um you know it was you know there, there but there are some you know some of the designers were like okay let's let's give them you know let's give them magic powers you know and mm -hmm. so there's the i mean the advantage of dealing with dcc as opposed to with a 5e or 5e is you know is it, it's you know it's a, it's, it, it does what it does very well um, but you know, it is it is designed to provide kind of a shared experience over a very vast market. Uh, you know, so you could literally theoretically you could take you know your you know that's why it has the Adventurers League. You know, I, I can make up my first level you know five E character, and then I can go anywhere in the country, and you know I I'll play that campaign, and it's it's going to be the same rules, and everything's going to work out. For DCC, I mean, I, I I kid Brendan LaSalle, who was kind of in charge of our road crew, which is you know like our you know our traveling you know people running gigs in public. I call it our disorganized play society. Because, you know, everybody's just basically you know they're just like this is my house rule and this is what we do. And Joe Goodman has come out. It's like yeah, uh, we don't explain everything in the DCC rule book. Like there are things there are purposely areas where just like we don't tell you how to do that because we figure out you'll figure that out yourself or you'll figure you know so. So, so when you're doing monsters, it's just a lot of the same thing. It, you know, some things, some people are going to love that grittiness. You know, so we, they, the monster might have, you know, he has a plus ten spell mod, spell check modifier. Other ones are just like, yeah, it's just whatever. You know, whatever he feels like doing. That, that's his thing. You know, you can set your head on fire with a glance, and if you know, make a saving throw if you don't want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I feel monster like I'm books hearing, have been. Oh, you, ahead, I feel like I'm hearing your job is easier than Chris's then. So. <laughs> <laughs> but go um, ahead, Lucian. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I would say uh, the 5e side is a little bit more structured and rules intensive. And, you know, we do encourage our designers to try and, you know, push that envelope as far as they can, but it still needs to kind of be 5e at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit there is a little bit of jealousy there in the, well, we can just do whatever we want <laughs> and not have to worry about spell slots and, and calculating DCs and stuff like that. There's, there's something very uh refreshing from a creative standpoint to be able to do that um and and that part is 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 amazing but at the same time too there's some people in the world kind of like me who love our rules <laughs> and 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 love to you know love to hate you know getting them right <laughs> and wrong um but uh but yeah it's definitely uh it's definitely a challenge on one side and and a little bit more of a creative process on the other side Monster books are a really popular kind of Kickstarter in a way for lots of companies to get in on kind of the 5e craze and his, not even just this explosion of the our community just growing and growing and growing with it going mainstream and, and more modern. And, and, you know, nobody's afraid to say they play Dungeons and Dragons, I think, anymore. And nobody's talking about hiding in basements anymore. It's like none of that comes up anymore. It's like everybody gets to play it and, you know, it's explained. What I've noticed is most of the those books that everybody's playing, a lot of times there's like this creep of our creatures are a little bit tougher and a little bit stronger. So they always put at the beginning of the book, hey, just so you know, these are a little bit stronger, a little bit tougher than you're going to be used to if you're using, you know, the Wizards of the Coast monster book. So just be ready when you have that in your in your campaign. How do you guys feel where your book it kind of lies? Have you kind of just bump that difficulty up a little bit on them monsters so it is considered like these are kind of hard they're a little bit at the high end of whatever your cr rating is or whatever or do you feel like there's just a good range in there um so what we did so about a year ago almost exactly wizards of the coast came out with monsters of the multiverse and they kind of 
reset where monster stats were and they kind of dove back into that CR system. We've always kind of viewed the CR system as like the pirate pirate guidelines, you know, they're, they're just guidelines, the pirate code. <laughs> yeah. It's not not real. Like a CR5 is, you know, mm. maybe it's a CR5, maybe it's a 6, <laughs> maybe it's a 4. Um, yeah. But so they kind of rejiggered everything a year ago and they did kind of dive in and make a lot of adjustments to some of the stats. If you look at them again, if you look at them kind of on the surface, it doesn't look like they changed much, but there are some pretty significant changes in there. So what we did was since we were kind of viewing this as a, a core book, you know, for the 5e player and the DCC player, we wanted on the 5e side to actually go back and make sure that our format kind of matched that up to date Wizards of the Coast format. Of course, we already had 500 plus monsters designed in the old format, so we actually went back in and tweaked all of them. I, I actually went back in and <laughs> tweaked all of them. Uh, we thought about sending it back out to some of the editors or whatever, but it was just, it got to the end of the day. I was like, you know what? Let me just, it's my job now. Let me just do it. Um, and I took a couple of months and I went in and it was it was actually a great exercise to do because it got me an opportunity to actually touch every single monster stat box again. Um, and actually kind of look at them and think about them after not seeing them for a couple of months. So I think there was an opportunity for me to even go in and tweak up some things a little bit more and maybe add a little bit more evocative things and just kind of rethink the designs a little bit. So so we feel they're they're similar to what Watsi's put out as far as what the CR is goes. And they're certainly in that most recent format. So if you're not familiar with the format that um, mm -hmm. that they that they came out with, um, you know, you might take a little bit to get used to. But to be honest with you, the, that new format, in my opinion, it's easier to work with at the game table, and it's it's a little bit better. There's like a, a lot of the other tweaks you practically don't even notice. Like I would say, Game Master would notice the differences, but the players they wouldn't even know that the monsters were changed. With a lot of people were up in arms. Uh, apparently, the 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 D and D community can really get up in arms over some things. It's weird, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It seems it's like odd. When something comes out, you find it. You find out it's really not that bad. You know, it's it's really not mm -hmm. that bad. So. Um, we had a really interesting question in chat. Zach was asking, uh, when making a bestiary book, how much retcon is needed looking at other publishers' bestiaries so you don't make something too accidentally similar? Or uh, I guess, I don't know, kind of an interesting thing. Are, are you, you don't want to duplicate monsters, so to speak, but there's only so many ideas out there, I guess. So is there a lot of like, yeah. oh, this is too much to a Monty Cook 5e monster. We should probably take it out or something like that. You could, you could duplicate a monster if you do it better. Well, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I like the attitude. I love the attitude. <laughs> yeah, to be to be honest with you, that was definitely a fear going in, but we kind of got over it quickly in the fact that uh, we have seen similar monsters appear in other books before. And, you know, again, the odds are that they're going to be an exact duplicate or not there. But, I mean, I know there's a couple of things that are in our book that were that have actually since been released like official watsi stats and things like that but but, but like mike said i kind of think like well mine is is uh, you know maybe it's maybe it's not better but it's it's the one that we designed and it's the one that, that we're comfortable with so um but yeah you can really go down a rabbit hole it's impossible to kind of you know track down everything i mean if you think about people just putting monster stats on their blogs and stuff like that yeah i mean you, you patreons you and really, stuff you, people do it all the time <laughs> Yeah, but you know, stuff only for their patrons and stuff like we, we can't we can't do that. So I mean, we just we just put out like I said monsters that we like and we want to play with. I mean, really ultimately that's what comes down to it. Everybody tells me like how did you decide which monsters are going in the book and which ones weren't? It's like to be honest with you, it's the ones I want to play with at the table, you know? Um, it's like, yeah, there's some in there that I'm like, okay, yeah, we needed a few more Fae or we needed a few more Celestials or something like that. But but ultimately, you know, we just wanted to get the monsters that we want to play at our table and that we think bring something to the table. And and some of them are probably going to be similar to other designs of folks that are out there. You know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, yeah. And add on to that. I think the the community understands that too because like everyone everyone's going to have a goblin or even like a bear, you know. Uh yeah. and not not I shouldn't say everyone is going to, but that that's an an animal in nature is a bear and people are going to have bears or people are going to have like weird squirrel monsters or mutated this and so uh it's just yes. kind of Oh my god. Oh, oh. it's funny you mentioned weird squirrels. <laughs> well, now I want to hear the story. So go ahead. <laughs> So, but do you want to hear about the squirrel? Because <laughs> we got one. Absolutely. <laughs> so we have we have an infernal squirrel called yes. Infernal. Um, 
and it has uh, it has beady uh, red eyes that will fix its gaze on you and actually like stun you or incapacitate you. Um, it can detect magic, and then it's really good at swiping things and stealing things. Yes. Um, and and to top it all off, it's got extra dimensional cheek pouches that it can store <laughs> stuff. So it can take lots of good stuff from you. So it stuns your party, uh, relieves you of all your magic rings and all your other good stuff, shoves them in those cheek pouches, and then runs away. So <sighs> can um, I have this as a ranger pet? That's all I want to know right now. <laughs> um, you can do whatever you want in your game. We're not going <laughs> to yeah, say no. It's just taking it taking it uh, from the DCC side. Oh, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. And and that's just an example of something like that where we feel that that monster works really, really well in 5e and really, really works well in DCC as well. It's just it, it, it kind of touches both bases there. Um, and and it's just, you know, it, yes, it's a little tongue in cheek, pun, pun intended. Um, but it, it's an example of just taking something in the real world. I, I kind of have an ecology background, so it's like I've often look at the real world and how creatures function in that and they're like oh that'd be kind of cool as a monster so and then just you know put the spin on it and make it you know and then stat it up to, to add on from that chat question i was looking through my um elemental evil and there's 40 pages in the back of this one that has new monsters so goodman's obviously been making new monsters putting them in their different products I'm assuming, and that's what we're saying, everything from your webpage, that these are all new Goodman game monsters. These aren't just other monsters that were taken from other Goodman games books and then put into this, or are there some appearing in this book too? Like you could get some of the ones that were here and now they'll show up in this Kickstarter. Uh, yes, it's a combination. Uh, since we've been around for 20 plus years, we've actually created quite a few monsters so <laughs> yeah. um and we like to refer to them as heavily play tested monsters because mm -hmm. they've been around and we've all run them and everything uh so we did call some of the better ones from those but okay. well over half of the monsters in this book are new um are brand new um and and then we've got you know 20 that are being created by the backers after the campaign ends um we hired um, a whole bunch of freelance contributors and had them create all brand new designs so, I mean, you'll see the inspirations. Some of the inspirations are directly from some of the old monsters in first edition and even before first edition that, you know, just didn't make their way to fifth edition or just that, you know, had that role hasn't been filled or, or hasn't been filled this particular way. Um, I think folks will be very comfortable looking at this book and be like, oh, I remember something like that back from the first edition days that, you know, never made it all the way to the fifth edition. But, but we do pride ourselves on our, our 20 plus years of history and the fact that uh, no other company can tap into those monsters, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, so but we can. So we, we but we were we were very selective. We went through and we didn't just grab all of them because if we did just grab all of them. I don't think we would have had any new designs at, at all for this um, for the 20 plus years of, of, mm -hmm. of books that we put out. So. Um, so, yeah. Great. I think, I think we, when you're approaching a project like this, it's, you know, as Chris was saying, it's a concern, but it's not really a concern because people have been statting up monsters for almost 50 years now, and they have been doing this professionally, and they have been doing this for their home campaigns, and once kind of the internet came out and people were sharing things, it like, you know, like alt.dnd, you know, like, you know, you, you know even, back, even back then, there has been, you know, there's there have been monster everything has been monstercized at some point or another <laughs> so it's it's more at this point interesting variations on common themes i mean because everybody making this is human so we all have our own you know limitations of what our imagination can do unless you're hr giger you know and then he's you know, like it but 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 we're not so for the most point yeah you know, we're, we're not as good we're gonna come up with something <laughs> it's just how to do stuff interesting with that with that kind of idea like if you're gonna do a turtle monster you know make sure it's an interesting turtle monster you know so yeah that's great do you have uh well I have oh, I have so many questions but we'll start with this one a million. So one at a time. Um I and maybe I don't know but like there hasn't been an actual like Dungeon Crawl Classics monster manual or like a monster book before and uh, obviously a heavy focus on the modules and the adventures and those always have really fun monsters in them. Um why is that? Is that just kind of like you you were really focused on those and then is this uh, I'm because one of the reasons I'm very excited for this book because I'm running lots of different little DCC campaigns uh, like on my own without the modules and it would be fun to have a book of monsters to pull from. So well, here's here's what I'm gonna say. So the 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 treatise about DCC has always been there is no the there is no a dragon. There is always the dragon. Mm -hmm. There you know there the idea is that there 
monsters should be unique and it, because what because one of the things that dcc is is very much is about is about kind of bringing that for those of us who've been in the hobby as i say you know gamers of a certain age uh the, <laughs> uh, the do is long off the rows i mean it's just like you know like how many times are you playing something you know like D D or you know RuneQuest or something like that something with has been an established canon you're like you open the door and you see you know you see a big hairy you know uh, half you know bear half owl thing and you're like well as obviously it's an owl bear i know what it does i don't get hugged by it and everything like this where DCC is just like the monsters are weird or they don't act as you're expected because the idea is just like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. You know, like, should we, we even messing with this at all? Or can we talk to it? Or is it just going to eat it? You know, so it's always been so the idea has always been with the rule book is like, here's an example of monsters. And we have like everything from androids to demons, you know, to so I mean, so the, the idea was just like, you know, they don't feel don't feel compelled about doing like a you know a vanilla fantasy setting you can do anything with this mm -hmm. so we've always been kind of about like you know like make up your own monsters you know and then we have like there's a whole bunch of tables of how to make the monsters that we do give you unique like you know you might have a goblin which is bone white and you know it blows up if you kill it you know i mean that's that's just a dcc goblin so what i'm going to say is that you know this this is a book that we adapted from the existing kind of the existing stuff like that so we put a dcc spin on it anyway but we're what we're also going to be including in that book, we're going to be building more tables. I, I would suggest that, you know, as cool as the monsters in Dungeon Denizens are, when you get that book and you're looking through it, just don't use it. Don't use it as a stock catalog. Don't be like, okay, we're going to use 1d6 of these and everything like this. Use, we're going to use 1d6 of these, and then we're going to roll on this table over here, or we're going to take this idea over here, or we're going to make, make this tweak to them. So even if your, your, your buddy is playing in the game and then they've read through that, like, aha, you know, these are infernals. I know, right. I know what these guys do. They're going to stay, they're going to, you know, knock us out and take our stuff. And well, maybe these ones don't, maybe these ones, you know, burrow through your chest to get your stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just, because that's just the DCC way. Just take take an idea and and make it cooler. So, so that's why we've been avoiding the um, the DCC. You know, like any sort of a DCC monster manual for ten years now. Yeah. Um. You know, this is one of those ideas. It's just you know, is there a market for it? You know, we'll see what happens. And apparently, people want one. You know, I'm you know, mm -hmm. there's parts of me which I'm glad about that. There's other parts of me just like, it's like, you know, we can you can make this stuff up on your own. That's what we're doing for <laughs> yeah, ten yeah. years. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, so it's you know it's 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 a challenging sometime. Um, obviously, what Chris was saying, if we had if, the next one, we're going to do differently. So so, uh, so yeah. So um, you know. So there is the next one. That's a that's a spoiler then, yeah. Well, <laughs> you it all depends on how the Kickstarter goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think we have three hundred thousand reasons to think about yeah. maybe having the next one. So and, and I think there's a great parallel there to exactly what Mike said. Um, with the original um, Dungeons and Dragons, when when TSR originally was not printing modules, adventures, because because that same thought process is like, well, why would somebody buy a dungeon that's already created? Like a big part of the game is actually creating the yeah. dungeon. That's that's a huge part of the game, and and really they were not the first one to the marketplace with adventures because. Other companies were like, well, we think people would actually spend money and actually buy this. And then sure enough, TSR was like, oh, geez, I guess we got to do this. And it's like, and sure enough, their early ones were all converted tournament adventures from, from Gen Con and Origins. So um, until they kind of got into their groove and said, wow, yeah, there is a market. And, and you know, selling adventures is always kind of like a necessary evil. It's not going to make you a ton of money, but you do need to have them there to support your game because quite frankly... Um, especially the modern gamer. The modern gamer, I think, just wants to grab and go. And I mean, uh, you know, especially when, you know, you, you have kids and, you know, full-time job, kids, maybe you're going to school on the side too. Like, you know, you just don't have back in college and back in high school, you know, we had entire summers to develop dungeons and create things and everything. You know, most of, of our target audience now, they're not in that boat and they want something that they can grab and go. And they, literally for years, they've been saying, you know, if there was if there was a DCC monster book, we would buy it. And 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 they've they've spoken loud and clear with the Kickstarter. So uh, so <laughs> basically, we you know, And again, when we first started talking about this project, it was a five e book only because we were like, nope, there's not going to be a DCC version of this. We're not doing it. And then when word got out and and people were like, no, we want DCC, we want DCC. And then you know, we're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna give the fans what they want. I mean, ultimately, that's that's what we do is give the fans what they want. So or give them the opportunity. So so that's why we yeah. kind of came full circle with that. And and this campaign really is all inclusive because I'm seeing here, 
you're not only getting um, uh, GM screens at certain levels, you're getting cardstock pawns to use if you're playing in person. You have t-shirt and dice that you could at certain levels get to. You have, you're doing virtual tabletop information so that people are playing on the Roll20s and the Foundries and all those things. They can bring that in and get their game set up and prepped and go. The one I saw that I hadn't seen in a lot of other or any at this point, the dust jackets with fantastic art and if you look at the art on the covers of these they're fantastic regular covers limited edition covers uh pdfs are coming in with this and which i'm sure are all searchable and easily to use when you when you have your you know your device at the table that you're trying to run your game and then there was another one in here i need you to talk to me a little bit about the faux reptilian cover how did this come about whose idea was this and how can i send them my money because it's a brilliant idea i love it <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go, Mike? Or? Um, I, 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 I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think that was my idea. No, Mike, sure, nice. Sure <laughs> Mike, if I recall, it, killing it, was it. Totally your idea. So. I kill it. I, I think it was just one of those things. Was like, can we do like a? I, 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 no, I think what it came in is like I suggested we do something that felt like a like an in-world product, like an in-game, like something you might find. You know, maybe thinking originally of a tome, and then that, that led to discussion of like, what if it was done in like some weird monster hide? And then, of course, that went down to the, well, let's see what weird monster highs are out there. And, you know, because it, it's, it's, it's the 21st century. And if you look for something, somebody's making it. So, you know, yeah. we, actually, awesome. we actually had a sample. <laughs> we had a sample of various, you know, various types of uh, monster highs. We, uh, we, we got together as a, as a company a couple of weeks ago, and we actually got to see some of the stuff firsthand. And um, so, yeah, so that, that's what it, that was the, the spawn for that. Picturing uh, all these game designers like, yeah, really this, this has a good <laughs> monster texture. I like this one. Yeah. And the design, the colors you picked were the, in the pictures, if this is what they're going to look like when they come out. And I know you have to work with your producers to make sure it all kind of matches and it comes close to these pictures. Maybe this is the picture of the actual book. The, the red and the greens look, they pop right out. It's a nice jet black, and it's like this, almost like this big black either snake or a, a black dragon scale or something of it, and it just looks fan. I bet the feel of it is even just through the roof, so it yes. just looks super cool. You guys have added everything into this Kickstarter, and then you get all these, these pledges. How fun was it kind of figuring out all the steps for a Kickstarter? Because I feel like the, the fun is the game and getting it to your clients, but also the fun is coming up with gonzo kickstarter steps to see if well if we hit a million we're going to do a van a wizard van you know or we, if we hit two million we're going to the moon and we're going to we're going to host a game on the moon or something you know just something crazy well i mean that that's the idea but the, i mean especially in the early days you know but i think any company that's been around long enough you know has seen how many kickstarters you know hoist themselves on their own petard because they were going to come up like they come oh yeah you know we're going to have that wizard van and we're going to have this and everything and then they hit that goal and they realize that they have to fulfill that they have and to they, do it <laughs> and they realize they're dealing with stuff which is outside of their control which is something yeah. we at goodman we we very very rarely don't we, we we include anything we can't have like a direct you know a direct chain on like you know like we we do our own we like we have a, a we have a contract with impact miniatures who does all our funky dice and everything so mm -hmm. and you know so that's that's a long-standing thing and we know what they can produce and everything so adding dice is like a no-brainer you know but but if, if you were going to give like we don't get into stuff like you know stls for your you know your home printed miniatures or you know additionally you know because that's something which is completely not us and if something goes wrong with you know xyz miniatures down the line then then the fans are saying hey where are my miniatures and we're just like uh you know so that's this we the, we like shooting for the moon but we also are aware that there's you know there's escape velocity you know we definitely spend a lot more time and effort before a project launches now than we ever did to make sure we have all those ducks in a row and to make sure that we have everything um, you know, pretty much, you know, ready to go. And, and we do always want to give more and more and more. If you look at our stretch goals and everything, it's all about giving more, making the book bigger, making the book better. Um, and, you know, so, sometimes stretch goals are like, you know, oh, it's like we hit this amount, you know, we're going to thank you um, in, a, in, a, in a 10 second video and we'll post it. And it's like, ah, it's great and everything. But we'd rather just give you more monsters and give you more stuff that you can use at the game table. But we do tend to now think these things months in advance. Um, and again, we've been working on this book for almost exactly three years now was when we first started it. Um, before both Mike and I actually joined Goodman Games full time, we were actually working on this. 
And it's taken that long for us to get to this point because, again, we're just a small company. At the end of the day, we have only a certain number of artists and, you know, one layout guy and everything. And everybody thinks these, you know, these 500-page books just appear overnight. And no, they don't, especially when you're doing two of them. And then you start talking, you know, reptile skin, faux reptile skin and everything, and <laughs> all these different other parts that add on to it. So it's really become something that it's fun. It's exciting. It's nerve wracking when it's, you know, launch day and everything. But, um, but it is also, but, and it can also be consuming during the, 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 the campaign as well, too, because you're keeping an eye on it. There's always mm-hmm. questions you need to answer. Um, there's all those different things. So. Jordan, I know it's your turn to answer a question. We are at $299,976 on the Kickstarter right this moment. Somebody in our chat could go <laughs> and make this 300000 Hit that mark. Hit a stretch goal right now. If you don't do it, I'm doing it the minute this show's over because I'm going to make sure that 300000 gets hit because we're right there. If you go to the page, we're at 299976 or they are, not we are. They are, and it would be awesome to see them to go through that. Okay, I'll shut up, George. Oh, no, you're right. Uh, 300K is the brine elemental, so that's exciting. Yes. Uh, but it yeah. made me wonder, do you guys have a favorite monster in the book so far? I mean, you, you must as you've been going through it for so many years. <laughs> Why don't you go first, Mike? Um, I mean, it's it's again, it's, it's one of those things like you know, picking your favorite kid, you know, which is easy. Everyone has a favorite kid, here. so <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know, there were there stuff that, that predated me, uh, you know, which I always found it funny or anything, like, but but there were, I mean, there there are some things which I, I was very happy to put in there. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, so one, one of my favorites, uh, is one of the favorites that I came up with is, and this was just where it was, uh, uh, there's the living stew pot. Which I, which was just an idea of, of you know, there's so if you, in very, in the very DCC frame of mind, you never, you should never know what you should be scared of. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's like if you have like a bunch of goblins like in their cave and they're, you know, they're brewing up in a big, you know, big stew pot, you're like, ah, you know, we'll kick those goblins. But until the stew pot like gets around and starts chasing you on its little stubby legs and it turns out its ladle is a tongue. And it's going to, it wants to wrap you up and like drag you into its boiling mass, you know. I mean, so that that's that's you know that's kind of where my like I always I always say like a like uh if you're running an adventure, uh, an orc guarding a chest is is boring, but a chest guarding an orc is incredibly you know interesting. So you know that's that's kind of where but the inspiration for that that idea came from. You know, that's, that's awesome. Just, one of the ones yeah. off the top of the back. That that I, there's actually one that I snuck in there from like an like a very very old D and D campaign, and Joe Goodman loves it because he's got this fascination for things. But it's the scorpipede, which is literally a poisonous at both ends. So it's it's the it's it's half scorpion, half centipede, half centipede. So it's got the centipede, the scorpion tail, and the centipede bite. So you yeah. know, no matter which way you're coming from, you're going to get poisoned. So. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chris? And, Do you have a yeah, obviously my fiendish squirrel is one of my favorites That's a good uh, inspired by encountering squirrels in the wild before um up in canada uh but another one that um i've really latched onto, and this one i did not create so we do have a section of the book where we've got some gnomish uh, clockwork constructs um and there's several of them in there um and they were in an old uh, uh adventure that we had done way way back in the day um and as our editors were going through, one of the editors is like, hey, it's like, I came up with an idea for, for a clockwork construct. It's like, can I add it in? I'm like, yeah, sure, go for it. It's essentially a clockwork gelatinous cube. Um, so it's basically oh, nice. a 10-foot by 10-foot Roomba that moves around. And and if you remember, the gelatinous cube, the gig about the gelatinous cube is yeah. you can't see it and you blunder into it. Well, this you can see. It's a metal cage array thing and everything. But the best part about it is, is when you get near it, it actually has grabbers. It pulls you inside of it, and then it grinds you up in your gears. And I play tested it a couple of weeks with somebody who had a uh, an overly cocky uh, lizard folk fighter with a lot of hit points, and the lizard folk got pulled into it and was almost made into a suitcase until the barbarian had to actually help pull him out of it as he was getting ground up and all the gears and everything. So um, I've just gravitated. That that's that, that's an example of. When we went into this project, we didn't have that on our radar, and one of the one of the editorial team was 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 editing the constructs and said, "Hey, you know, I've got some great ideas on some additional ones," and he said, "Can I do it?" And I love the concept, and I said, "Yeah, I would love to play with that monster." So yes, please do that, and we added it to the book. So yeah, you guys made it. I am <laughs> your backer, three thousand five hundred and forty-four. <laughs> Nice. And you are now at $3,050. You have made the $300,000 stretch mark. I have helped make that next monster. Let's keep going, though. Let's don't yeah. stop. We got 10 days as far as I understand it. So that seems like that's 
a Tuesday? Is it all day Tuesday it's still going to be going? Or is it like Wednesday it cuts off or is it the Tuesday? We'll, we'll be having a countdown show on Tuesday on Twitch. Yeah. On the ah, perfect. Channel. You'll be able to watch it, watch it close out with us live. And we hope it doesn't go too late because Chris and I both have to go to bed and then go to Gary <laughs> GaryCon the following day. So, yeah, yes. it's, uh, we, I'm, I'm hoping it wraps up relatively early Eastern time because I want to get a nap because my flight is at like 6 a.m. <laughs> I did get the faux snakeskin one, too. So I nice. did get that book. So, Mike, if I ever meet you in real life, I'll have it with me and I want you to sign it for me because the book was the brilliant idea <laughs> I didn't know to sign stuff I didn't write so I have no problem Shay, that's great <laughs> um, how many artists are working on this like I noticed that a lot of the art looks uh, like one person did it but it seems kind of daunting for one person do you have a team of artists or yeah, yeah the, uh, all of the artists are probably working on this <laughs> yeah we, um, we have a team I can know, tell you, you exactly how many numbers? artists are working on it because we did a show last week on what we called it the analytics of Dungeon Denizens where we actually put charts and graphs together on a bunch of really silly stats um, so we actually have 15 artists working on this project um, three doing the different covers with Errol Otis did the one cover uh, San Julian doing the DCC cover and David Griffith doing the five cover and we have 12 additional artists doing uh, full color artwork for um both the interior of the book and also for all the tokens for the pawns and the wow. vtt and everything so yeah it's a lot of people wrangling groups of people like that and uh and that's and quite frankly the art is really what's taking taking most of the time because yeah. all, like like mike said all of our artists that do our other art for our other things or they've got other projects as well. They're doing other covers and they're doing interiors of books and everything. So um, basically whenever they have a downtime, it's like they bang out a couple of monsters here and there. Um, so, and it's, and, and I'll tell you best part of my job when I open up an email and it's like review these 10 pieces of finished art for the book and make sure they're good. Oh, it's so much fun to see to see them for the first time. Nobody else except for the artist and the art director has seen them, and I get to see them and be like, "Perfect, nailed it!" And it's it's gorgeous. And each one seems to be better than the last. So that's super this fun. Is, this, this, this is all this is all color too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This is yeah. Just not black and white. So it, you know it, that takes longer than you know like a, you know than an ink sketch or stuff. So you know so there's there's that additional time frame on it. On, on, so which is one of the reasons why we have such a big art crew working on it because if it was just if this was literally one person, you know, we'd probably be launching the Kickstarter three years from now just yeah. in time to get to the point where we could fulfill it. You know. So. And and also important to know all physical art too. This is none of this no AI of course, but also no computer generated art on it. These are all physical medium pieces of full color art um that if you go to conventions and when once this art is done i mean and you run into your favorite artist you might have a chance to purchase your favorite uh artist if, if they happen to have it if they <laughs> that, if they're willing to part with it of course that two-headed <laughs> enton carrying a beer keg or something i need that on my wall like, i love it that's so fun how about this another really interesting thing in this um campaign is the backer designer monsters so at certain backer levels two backers were you know could design a monster slot you know 750 there was four backers and so on we're up to 3,000 so there must be 18 backers out there that are eligible to are you picking those as those steps are happening or is that a list that's being generated and they're going to be done at the end of the campaign or how's that whole piece come together and tell us a little bit about the backer design monster part of this um, so yeah, so after the campaign ends, we're going to be sending all of the backers basically the rules and the instructions on how, how what they need to do to actually send us um, a, a backer design monster. Uh, we anticipate we will get hundreds and hundreds of these. Like I said, we have over 3,500 backers right now. Even if only 10% of them send us a monster, that's 350 monsters. So we only have room for 20 in the book. So we are going to uh, split them up and we are going to um, as the respective design teams will review them and we will, it's probably going to be interesting to say mm -hmm. the least how we end up on those final 20. But regardless of what rule system that we pick those 20 in, we might pick 18 of them being DCC and two of them 5e. Then we'll turn those over to the respective teams and they will convert them over to the other rules. Uh, rules. So, so folks are going to get, you know, both, both rules um, books are going to have the same number of monsters in them and the same monsters um, but yeah, it's a it's a daunting process um, a little bit, uh, but um, but it's 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 a great way to engage in the community and and um, and get people to really get a chance. And and we'll be honest, 
um, you know, we're always looking for, for new folks that can do design work for us. So if we happen to find a couple of folks that um, want to do this on the side and, and do a really good job at it, um, we'll certainly have a conversation with them. So that's fantastic. Scouting out. That's awesome. Um, are there any adventures with the Dungeon Denizens? I was wondering about that. Like, you get a really big monster book. Are you going to include any adventures that kind of feature the monsters or maybe stuff that you guys were playtesting? Like... Well, uh, yes. We're, one of the things which are, is one of the add-ons which is going to be available for it is uh, what we, it's called the, the two-page uh, two delves. Uh, so basically what that's going to be is we're probably roughly maybe 32. The idea is that it's going to be, you know, maybe 16 to 20 um, two-page encounters, adventures, you know, depending on how, on how much material the, the designer can squeeze into that. So uh, this is going to be a product which can be used no matter which version of the, the the book that you get. So we're going to basically going to be including. It's going to feature monsters that are either from Dungeon Denizens or something where you can generally assume that there's you know like there's stat blocks for you know like like an orc you know like so so it's the idea is that you you know um, you'll be able to use it regardless of what you're going to be. Now some some of we've seen some of them some of them have done basically short dungeons you know maybe five or six room dungeons because if you don't have stat blocks in there you can fit a lot more content in there. Where others have come in basically big like uh, more like centerpiece encounters type stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, there will be. Uh, a way to kind of see the monsters in their quote unquote natural habitat, you know, like the dungeon or whatever it's going to be. Um, but, uh, you know, we, Chris and I have discussed some ways of like, how exactly do you make what we're calling a multi-system or system neutral or, you know, a, a product on this. And, and basically it's, it's not going to be that hard <laughs> so, no. you know, if it all works as what, what we think. So, because you'll, you'll have the stat blocks for your system and then, you know, all that is just figure about how do you do handle skill checks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just talking about awesome timing with the fact that we just passed over 300k and we got the brine elemental i wrote one of these two page delves and i feature the brine elemental in that delve so there's that <laughs> elemental and then there's actually three other monsters from dungeon denizens that are all in there and again it's it's basically it's a little location and then there's a couple of rooms and everything so it, it's it's definitely like a one shot kind of one evening kind of thing there's like i think i have some like five encounter areas or something a little bit of role playing a puzzle a couple of fights and and then you know a little bit of backstory and everything and then you're off to go and then each one of these will have its own little quarter page map quarter page illustration half page map and then you know page and a half of uh of content in it and just be perfect to pick up and go and yes it's gonna be a great opportunity for playtesting some of these we've already been doing that um the folks over at uh 20 sides every story alex and his gang uh they actually last night they ran a dcc version of one of the two page delves that alex actually wrote and last week they did a uh they did a live playthrough of uh, a 5e version of a different one that alex wrote so uh so folks want to head on over there they can kind of see what they're going to get for these two page delves yeah, that's really cool. And you were saying system neutral just in the sense like no monster stat blocks, but yeah. You would you would have to say, you know, like the the thing is locked and then the, you know, respective player handles that locked door with whatever system they're playing in, I assume. Right. right. Yep, we, exactly. We're, we're probably what we're what Chris and I we're, like we'll probably grade uh, you know, like skill checks or something like that, like, you know, like it's this is an easy test or this is a medium test, or gotcha. this is and then at the front of the book we'll have if you're playing, you know, five E, a medium test might be a DC fifteen, where if you're doing with DCC, it might be DCC ten or eleven because we don't have like the bonded accuracy thing or anything mm -hmm. like that. So it's just that way it's just, you know, if the you know, the the judge can just either photocopy that or just kind of flip to the front of the book and or just pencil it in, you know. So that those are really the only you know those are really only the you know the challenging the part of it it's just you know slightly scaling those tests but other than that yeah. you know, it should be yeah. really as cool. we as we wind down we're getting closer and closer to the end of the show i thought what about the future of goodman games here like we see adventures we're seeing uh monster books we're seeing it for dcc and is there any like kind of you guys don't have to spoil anything that you don't have you guys thought about books that are more centered towards players would buy them because they have player options in them versus everything right now seems to be very DM centric for the types of books that people might buy, except for the people that love art and things like that or other systems. Are we just, are we staunchly dungeons and dragons and OSR, you know, DCC 
kind of stuff. Has there ever been any talks about some of the other systems out there that, that have shown up? Or is there a Goodman game system on the horizon? You guys going to make your own rule set game? Uh, I think that you is don't have to anything classics. But, you know. <laughs> You've been talking about it for an Perfect. Hour <laughs> Everybody else is coming with their own in-house. They're Johnny-come-latelys. We did that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> we... Yeah. we Joe Goodman is very good about like like the thing is is with Goodman Games we don't chase an audience and in fact we just had a big discussion about this with kind of our get together it's like we all are weird enough at Goodman we know what we like and we figure that there's enough weirdos out there that if we just keep doing which we like doing the audience will find us and that so far has worked for Joe for Goodman for more than 20 years now I mean how many other game companies out there that they got started during the you know, like the, the the original Owen game license in 2001 are still out there are still active you know so many of them died during the 3.0 glut and joe obviously knows what he's doing so uh mm -hmm. if anything goodman games is adaptable uh which is one of those reasons yeah. why we're we try to do backers kid or you know game found or we try different you know we're we're doing all this stuff and as i said when we were talking about online conventions we we just do it and we figure out how to do it and you know we fall on our face sometimes but we get back up and we learn that lesson so uh you know, I, all I can say for Goodman Games, at least from my point of view, is that we will continue to evolve. Um, there will be coming, there will things that will come out and you'll be going, what? And then, you know, and then you'll be like, okay, nobody's done this before, but let's see what this is going to be. So, um, that's exciting. I, I would say, however, I wouldn't expect much on the way of the player facing thing, at least for DCC. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see splat books. You're not going to yeah. see the complete guide to warriors or anything like that. Um, that has always been the great nut that everybody has been trying to crack in, in the game industry because you can, you know, there's the DM is always going to buy the adventure and he's always going to buy, you know, he, but, but the players isn't. So that, that's why we've been trying to, you know, the role-playing game industry has been trying to figure out a way how to get players to buy more stuff. Mm -hmm. And frankly, if you get a player to buy a rule book, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would say everything's available on the table. I would agree with Mike. We're probably not going to get into player forward splat books or anything like that. Obviously, adventures, we've done hundreds of adventures. Um, we're always going to do those. But, you know, hey, we've never done, um, you know, a big monster book like this. We did a couple back in the third and the fourth edition, but that was literally just like, reprinting old monsters it wasn't really doing a whole lot of new ones so so we are willing to try some different things um we're always looking to evolve and adapt um and and quite frankly make do some of those homage projects like the uh the original adventures reincarnated mm -hmm. um that line is is coming uh we we've already announced number eight and and you know we haven't announced nine and ten but we're already working on nine and ten so those are going to continue, and and people are going to um, love those when when they hear when we do finally announce those. Um, you know, hopefully later this year. So, uh, we have a lot going on. There is never a yeah. There, there's never a lack of, of projects to work on. It's just a matter of wow, this is a cool one. Now I got to get working on this one too. So um, <laughs> yeah, Crypt so of the Devil Lich just finished, advance. and DCC 100. I think those are shipping yep. soon. So like. Uh, yeah, and I'm very excited uh, for Dying Earth as well. I'm a big Dying Earth fan, and I'm I think that's going to be a lot of fun when it arrives. <laughs> yeah, and we're always looking at other licenses too. So we're always keeping those, especially from some of the you know the Appendix N uh, crowd. There, we're always looking into those. So uh, yeah, we have we have a lot on our plate, and it's it's amazing. So uh, we're just going to keep keep having fun in the yeah. in the sandbox. I think I think as I speak for Chris. Like the hardest part about our jobs is is like. Can I work on that, or do yeah. I have to farm that out to somebody else? This is, you know, yeah. I want to cool. do it all. Yeah. There's so much cool <laughs> stuff, but there's just not enough hours in the day. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to do. You mentioned Temple of a Mental Evil earlier. I wanted to do that one all by myself. I was still working full time. I wasn't with Goodman when I did that one. It just it was impossible. We had that. We had to have a team approach to it. It just it just would not have worked. And same with this monster book. We had to go the team approach. And um, you know, and that's quite frankly, that's that's what Michael and I do most of our time is we're just guiding our teams. Um, we try to work in a little bit of design work here and there when we can fill the gaps in and, and work on some of the fun projects. But for the most part, we're just we're just making sure everybody's moving toward that goal and making sure that, you know, the next Kickstarter is going to get delivered. And then this line of books is going to keep going. And then we're going to work on this, you know, OAR line book and everything. So um, it's exciting. That's so cool. I will say uh, I, I love that you said yeah, the fans do find Goodman games, you said. Uh, earlier and it reminds me um, I'm currently running like Peril of the Purple Planet with some friends but 
I'm doing that with Dungeon Crawl Classics because we were trying to figure out what, what next game do we want to play? And a lot of them were 5e people. And I was like, well, I'm willing to run some of these others. And I had ran one friend through a funnel like six months earlier. And she was like, I think she she basically convinced everybody else that we need to play Dungeon Crawl Classics because she was so like into it and stuff. And so she brought this group to my house and we've been, you know, playing ever since. And it's like they they do. You just you find the the people who love it and then they'll be with you for a long time, I think. So <laughs> uh, the, yep. uh, the Goodman Games, we are blessed with a wonderful community that we could never have assembled on our like we had set out to build this community, it would have failed horribly. And it just it just gelled together of all these weirdos and <laughs> you know, people who have all these shared interests and you know, that we just all found each other. Like the tribe just assembled. It was like, you know. And, and they are some of the most creative, the most passionate people that I've ever had a pleasure. I mean, gamers get gamers get a lot of, you know, a lot of flack, some of them rightfully so. But, you know, I think the the good the Goodman Games, the DCC community has just been, the, I mean, I love all of them. You know, I mean, mm. there's a, and, you know, we're going to get, we're going to Gary Khan in a couple of weeks. And that's like a big, that's like a family reunion. I mean, we, we, everybody gets together. They bring stuff from their home, their home state, you know, stuff to drink, stuff to eat. We all get together on Saturday night and, you know, it's, 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 it, you found your people. So, yeah. I, oh, and your guys' booths at all the conventions are kind of like a Mecca. I know when me and Jordan are at Gen Con for the last couple of years that we have went every day as we go through the, the hall, we stop at Goodman games, even though we were there the day before, or even though we might've been there two hours before that and we were like well, let's go back around we might see something else because you guys put out such a, a great presence to meet with everybody that's coming to the conventions you're running games people can sign up for the games you have so many things you can do and then it's just the the merch and the all that i was we were talking earlier too the t-shirts were so good when when michael was on for pre-show he was talking about which t-shirt he was going to pick on i was like it blew my mind thinking i could have a closet full of all the the goodman games t-shirts would be so crazy that's just so good You've got Gary Khan coming up. Obviously, Gen Con's probably on the list again now that we're past kind of the COVID lockdowns and we're back to getting out and meeting with our our friends and our community and stuff. I heard that you have an even bigger kind of uh, con schedule, your road warriors, your, your groups that go on. So Gary Khan, Gen Con, what other kind of stuff are people going to be able to see you guys at? Um, we're, 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 we do Origins every year. Uh, we're going Origins. back. We're actually going to do UK the UK Game Fair uh, for the first time oh. in a couple of years. So we'll be over there, you know, hanging out with the, with the, with the fans uh, in the UK and anybody who hops over across the channel and everything. We're looking forward to that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of these smaller cons aside from like the, the big events and everything in your own local neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. We have, I think, four people now who are kind of doing our, our booth stuff and going to local shows and, you know, and the, all the designers, we, we, you know, when we can, we try to make it out everywhere that's, you know, local or within a, within a flight stuff. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how much time Brendan LaSalle spends at home anymore. You know, he's always <laughs> off on his way to, Oh, he seems to be Mepicon or, or, you know, he's like, <laughs> my joke with him, that's like eight times a year or something. Cause he always seems to be coming or going to that. So um, yeah, all the, all the information, the complete uh, updated convention schedule is on the Goodman Games website. It's too long for me to be able to rattle off. So, but you know, mm -hmm. if you're interested, go take a look at there. And um, if you if you've spent the last hour listening to us talk about DCC and about you know all the rest of this stuff, we do offer online demos every Tuesday night. So you can sign up for that and play DCC for two hours. And uh, and also this year at uh, at Gen Con, we're going to be having the funnel experience, which means we're going to have about five tables, you know, during the various slots, maybe two or three times a day, where you can come in and for three hours sit in and play a funnel, and uh, your surviving character, you know, will stamp it as survived, and then you can take that off to any any DCC campaign. And look, look, I have a first level character. I'm ready to level up. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's it, it's going to be a good year. That's great. Do awesome. you, uh, before we go, I want to ask, do you have a favorite con? Cause I want to kind of try and get out there and see more cons. Like if you had one con that you absolutely don't want to miss. I would say Gary con. I mean, it's in, it's in Lake Geneva. I mean, if you haven't done it, you got to do it just for the pilgrimage. So you got to walk around town and everything and see all the sites and everything. So, I mean, I, and, and I just think it's just, it's just, it's the birthplace in my opinion of tabletop role-playing games. There's just something about it. Um, the crowd It's pretty, I know it's getting bigger and bigger and it used to be a much more of a, 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 a more of a personal convention is a lot smaller, but it's great. I mean, Gen Con is, Gen Con is Gen Con. I mean, Gen Con's just amazing um, as far as the scope and the size, but some people don't like the size and scope of Gen Con and the fact that you can't get a downtown hotel room and, and whatnot. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I would say Gary Con's my favorite. 
Yeah, I'm I'm in a, I'm in complete agreement with it. Uh, I mean, I've been going since Gary Con Four. That was my very first one. I haven't missed one since. Wow. And as I said, it's like it's a time for the Goodman Games crowd to get together. Like, because like, you know, we were talking before that we do you know like going to a con. We do a lot of like building the community by doing this. And I think Gary Con. I think one of the early Gary Cons was where DCC was first being kind of play tested. So mm -hmm. I mean, I think you know DCC is about as old as Gary Con is. So um, you know, it's it's well that no, no, it's, it's a little bit younger because I think Gary Con is up twelve or thirteen now. I think I forget. I, I think, think so. It's yeah, yeah. thirteen. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's we we've kind of grown along with it, and the, the fan base has grown with us. So uh, yeah, mm -hmm. so, I mean, come there, hang out with us. You know, we have the booth presence, and as Chris says, it's 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 a it's a large con, but it's not a huge con. So it's not one of those things. It's like if you see somebody, you will never see them again through the rest of the weekend. It's, you know, <laughs> it's like like hey, you know, you want to get together and do something later, or we're gonna go grab pizza, you know, in town, mm -hmm. or you know, come on. So yeah, definitely Gary Con. I'm not I'm not short. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not shorting any other con. I'm just saying that Gary Con does everything it does very well, and I and I hope I hope Luke and everybody who's doing it has a continued success because I will keep going every year they keep inviting me, and if they stop inviting me, I'll go anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chris and Mike. This was super awesome. Uh, for those of you listening either on podcast or watching uh, this video not live, there will be links below to Dungeon Denizens. You should go check it out. Um, it is fulfilled, and they're they're obviously working hard at it and we will have uh and hopefully more uh stretch goals will get unlocked it'll be super cool um thank you again gentlemen super You're excited welcome. to have you on Thanks. this was a lot of fun uh and we will see all of you next time on another episode of the saturday morning D, &D show take care bye everybody